0: From the EBKV studios in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, you're listening to The Angry and Negative Show on Brotherly Pod with your hosts, Angry Jim and Negative Dan. everybody to the angry and negative show that's right we are back from our one week hiatus we took the week off last week i was uh busy building the national puck and national podcast network sites and i somehow survived doing that but we are back this week with some news and of course my partner angry jim is here jim how you doing
1: what up what up okay uh, oh i'm good i'm good sorry <laughs> <laughs> i just really wanted to say that no. what
0: up and, of course, since it's the end of a playoff round, we have our playoff uh, helper on here, Michael Watkins from Section 247 Podcast. Michael, how you doing?
2: Good evening, Jim and Dan. How are you? Cold. <laughs> cold? Why are you... How are you cold?
0: studio is freezing. Put a shirt on.
2: Wasn't I it hot as ball I've the other tur- night I've, for
0: you? <laughs> I have a uh, Marty Gras jersey on, actually. Uh, that explains it. <laughs> well, I think... Oh, <laughs> yeah, and, uh... We have the Boston-Carolina game on in the background, and Boston just scored. Are you kidding me, dude? An atrocious turnover. Well, that's the way to start. Uh, We will talk about playoffs uh, in a little while here, but first, there is some breaking news uh, from the Philadelphia Flyers. They have hired hired Michelle Tarian and Mike Yao as assistant coaches under Alain Vigneault, you know, they, well, the news broke on uh, Monday, I believe. You know, I was sitting there eating lunch, had my laptop open, the tweet that came up from the Flyers account said, breaking news, you know, we've hired Michelle Terrian. I'm like, yeah, sure. I know, I already knew that. And I looked down at the picture, and it was like, wait a second, that's Mike Yao! <laughs> I was, almost fell out of my fucking chair when I realized that they hired Mike Yao. Um... You know, I, I I don't hate it, but I'm not super thrilled. You know, Tarian, uh is a known hard-ass, you know, known for, you know, really laying into his players, which, quite frankly, this group needs, especially the Gostas Bears and Voraceks of the world. Uh, they could use a good kick in the ass every once in a while. Mike Yao, uh, you know, I one of the first articles I ever wrote for Brotherly Puck uh, was... Talking about Chuck Fletcher, and I'm pretty sure I mentioned that article. It was only a matter of time before Mike Yao was in Philadelphia in some way, and uh, yeah, here he is. He's an assistant coach. Uh, Mike uh, Mike Yao will handle the defense and penalty kill, and Tarion will handle the uh, power play and the forwards. Which is kind of interesting because Tarion is the you know renowned defensive specialist, and Mike Yao is incapable of doing anything. So it does seem weird that that's how they went. Uh, Lapierre will be around he's not going to be behind the bench anymore he won't be in charge of anything thank christ they finally got him out of there but um yeah jimmy your thoughts on the uh, assistant coaches in philadelphia
1: well let me start off with saying i was never really crazy for either of these two guys uh and terry and and yo or Yao. um but i guess overall like uh i'm okay with it you know Uh, one guy's going to focus on uh, power play and offense the other guy is going to focus on penalty kill and defense uh i'm i'm pretty happy that Le Perrier's is not going to be in charge of the penalty kill anymore um you know it'd be if the flyers hired a guy like mike yo as a head coach i was out <clears throat> um like seriously i wasn't going to watch a game until he was gone and then you know they, they happen to bring him in as an assistant coach you know I, and i'm like okay you know he's only going to be in charge of a couple a uh, couple of things here. Let's let's see what happens. I'm trying to keep an open mind. You know I always thought he was kind of a nerd. His teams were never really any good. Um, as far as Terryan, you know I'm, I'm hearing or I'm reading that you know he's uh, kind of a hard ass, like you said, and he's tough on his players. And I I think. You know, that's kind of rare these days, uh, especially with the, you know, and I don't I don't want to sound old or anything because I'm, I'm not really that old to say <laughs> this, but, you know, this, this younger generation of, of players, they just come up, you know, they, they get paid, and they kind of, you know, it, it looks like they go through the motions, like these uh, heart and soul players who are willing to put their bodies on the line. Uh, you don't have too many of them on the flyers, and um, I, I think, you know, some – more so today in in today's day and age that these these kids are babies. I mean they are kids, you know, twenty two, twenty three, twenty four, on this roster. They need someone that's kind of gonna uh, give them some tough love, and and maybe Terry's that guy, maybe Vigneault's that guy. Uh, I'm glad that they they didn't they didn't cheap out when it came to
0: coaches, you know. While you were talking, Carolina tied the game uh, three seconds into a power play. So 1-1 with uh, 15.46 to go. I need my glasses. I can't see that shit. Um, Yeah, I, I if they hired Mike Yao as the head coach, Daniel was out. I was going to quit. That was over. I wasn't going to deal with it. I, I, I cannot deal with him. The guy's as borderline useless as it gets. You know, I, I, I'm pretty much with you. I'm, I'm going to go for an open mind here. I, I think you kind of have to. You know, for months on this show, we bitched about, you know, Dave Hextall and Gordon and Lapierre and Hextall. And listen, they're making changes. And, you know, the regime is changing and that's what needed to happen. So I can't sit here and be angry at who they hired because I wanted change in the first place. So I'm going to give it time. Uh, Michael, what are your thoughts?
2: Uh, you know, I echo what both of you have said. Uh, I actually like this move. I like this move on a number of reasons. One, I I said it with the first episode you guys had me on. These guys need discipline and they need to be yelled at. They need to be told they suck sometimes. And I think they're going to get that out of these three coaches. Uh, The other reason why I like it is these coaches all have bad taste in their mouth from their last experiences, whether it's a head coaching position or the assistant coaching role. I think they have some, they feel they have something to prove or they should feel like they have something to prove. Uh, you know, like Jim said, it's just like basketball. I was talking about it the other the other day with the Sixers. Ben Simmons is an entitled baby. He has, has his ass kissed all his life, and now it's hitting the wall for him, and he doesn't know what to do because he needs some discipline. That's exactly like with these younger guys. They need to stop getting their feelings hurt sometimes and just grab their sack and play. So I, I like it from all, and all accounts. I think you guys both are right.
0: Man, the Sixers. You know, I, I bitch about Flyers Twitter all the time, uh, but and they're pretty bad. But, like, holy fuck, Sixers <laughs> but, Twitter is just is just the worst place on the planet.
2: You know, because their expectations are too high. Flyers Twitter has calmed down over the years, believe it or not, because our expectations were once that high. Now we're at the mediocre stage, <laughs> so we're okay with what we get.
0: If the Flyers win a game, I'm satisfied for a day. Exactly.
2: And no matter who they beat, whether it's, you know, they're beating the worst team in the league or they're beating, you know, the best team in the league, they get a win and you're happy about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I think this team, I mean, it's it's not only a good direction for the coaches because they needed to clear them out. You know, thank God Lappy's has gone because <laughs> there was there was some early worry there that Le Perrier was still going to be behind the bench. And then that the was kind of
2: weird, though, how they did that. Well, it, I think – It, it th- took a day.
0: Yeah, they they did. I think they gave him the Paul Holmgren treatment of we're not going to fire you, we're going to promote you, but you're not actually going to have any real job. You're just kind of going to be there. We're going to keep paying you. Uh, I think that's more or less what they got, you know, from him. I don't think they wanted to let him go because he took a puck to the face. What's it? Ten years ago, twelve years ago by now, and he's going to be here forever at this point. But well,
2: well, then well, then shit. Aaron Rowan should be owner of the Phillies then. Yeah. I
1: don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you know what? There's not one former flyer behind the bench now.
2: No, nobody can complain now that this is a good old boys team anymore.
1: Like how how long has it been? You had Laperaire
2: back there, and then you had uh, Baruby back there for a while. Yeah, uh, Kerry Huffman that came up with Scott Gordon. Yeah, there you go. Or Kerry Huffman actually took over the Phantoms, I should say, when Scott Gordon came up. Yes,
1: yeah, so, I mean I can't remember another
2: time. And like
1: they're kind of stacked as far as coaches behind that bench, you know.
0: Well, see, that would be the... In theory, they would have gone about it the same way I would have gone about it. If I was tasked with, you know, staffing coaches, the first thing I would do is is find as much experience as possible.
2: They did that. They did a great job with that one.
0: There was a... What's the number I have it written down here? Yao coached 482 games. Therian coached uh, coached 756. Vigneault coached 1,216 for a total of 2,454. So... That's pretty good. You know, I don't know. I, I would obviously need to do some research as far as other teams around the NHL, but I would assume that has to be one of the highest in today's game, in the league, as far as experience goes. And, you know, I saw a lot of things. Well, you know, Therian and A.B., you know, they're not head coaches, so it doesn't matter. You know, I'm still kind of worried that they're here, but they aren't head coaches. You know, they they don't have the final say. That is Elaine Vigneault's job. And as long as Elaine Vigneault has, you know, some sense, he won't be Dave Haxtell and let his assistants, you know, burn the ship down essentially they should be fine i i think that this is going to be very interesting and more than anything else at this point it gives me hope that they're going to change more this summer in terms of the player personnel you know if they're willing to go full bore here and shake up the coaches i think that means that they are going to make something happen this summer player wise which quite frankly is what needed to be addressed more than anything is this current roster that they have
2: Oh you're going to see a lot of roster turnover. And and I think a lot of these players that you know don't like don't like to be screamed at or or told that they need to improve on anything, they're going to have some problems and you might see a couple of these guys that we thought were suspect of and guilty of that gone by the start of the season because these are coaches that are going to be, you know, very on top of you because that's how they were when they were head coaches and that's their past. So it should be very interesting. I think this roster goes goes is gonna be a lot different come next season.
1: yeah I, and i and I hope so. I mean, I'm almost kind of interested to see like you know I always thought uh, you know the what's the word I'm looking for here the the greatest attribute of a of a leader is you know can he get uh, can he make the worst player you know better or or you know, can he make the team as good as their worst player or, or i'm I'm thinking of somebody like Voracek here can can he get through to a guy like Voracek or a guy like Ghost? Can he turn their mentality around a little bit? Because I don't think anybody questions their skill, at least at least not for myself. I don't question that they can play well. Can they play well consistently? Can they, can they get their shit together mentally? Do they know that they're leaders on this team? Um, can a coach fix that? Uh, I think so, maybe if you're a younger player. A player like Voracek, I'm not sure – if you can totally change his mentality, Um, a player like Gossespierre, I haven't seen enough uh, from him, I guess. Uh, I think that he's still a little bit younger, 25-ish, 26-ish, where a a new coach could possibly get through to him. Um, But as far as Voracek, uh, I think if you're 29, 30, and and you're still acting the way he is, uh, I think that's a little bit of immaturity. I'm not sure if he can you know, if he's going to be with the new, um, the new coaching regime. So I I think he might be a guy that I would move. If not, then I would, I would move ghost. And there there are some pieces that they can move. And I think that they could get considerable, um, uh, a considerable amount back for to fill some holes.
0: Got to spare 26, three weeks ago.
1: Yeah. So he's, he's not exactly young anymore, but he's, I guess this is his prime. He's entering the prime years. What is it, like 26, 27, 28, something like that? More
0: or
2: less, yeah. I and mean, for defensemen, defensemen usually do have longer careers, too. That's true. That's true. He's got to have the right attitude, though. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I want to
1: see a machine. I don't want to see you sulk. You know, if, you, if you're supposed to be one of the – and I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry, Mike. Um, but if you're looked at as one of the vets on the team, one of the older guys um, – you can't sulk, dude. Like, like I, you brought up the Sixers earlier. If you're um, Joel Embiid and you're one of the most dominant players in the league, right, so you're obviously the best player on your team, you can't come in and be like, oh, man, I'm sick. Like, it, it, it affects everybody in that locker room. And you saw the other night they lost by 40 points. Like, dude, okay, you're sick. Shut your mouth, right, and, yeah. and act like a leader. It's the same thing with the with the Flyers, like, I don't think some of these guys were ready to take on the leadership role. They were kind of forced into it. Or, hey, you're the – I'm not talking about Giroud. Hey, you're the best player. Let's put an A on your shirt. Or let's put a a C on your shirt. You know what I mean? I'm not sure they were the right guys to take those leadership roles. And I think that's what we've been seeing these last couple of years. This team just – they're not strong enough mentally to to get over the top. And they're too young. So I'm really kind of – I'm happy with the guys they brought in as far as coaching because now I expect to see a trickle-down effect. You know, these coaches are a little bit more hard-nosed. That's the kind of hockey team I want to see. I want to see strong uh, strong leaders, strong players. I don't want to see this, uh, uh, for lack of a better word, they're a bunch of pussies, honestly. You know, I don't want to see that anymore.
0: Yeah, the Flyers need some damn grit back.
2: Damn. Just a little heart and soul, man. That's all I'm asking for, you know? Hey, listen, I, I, you know, you talk about that. The perfect player is is on the roster, and that's Ryan Hartman. Samuel Moran? oh am Yeah, that's right. Sam, I forgot he was a flyer, Dan. Thanks for reminding me. <gasps> it's been 12 hours since I saw a Sam Moran. <laughs> I
0: mean, he's only the greatest defenseman of all time. I don't know how you could possibly forget about him.
2: Undisputed. Jeez. But yeah, contract contract's actually very desirable to move at his age, and when he gets Borchak's gonna be a little harder to move. You know, we saw that we all saw the rumor stories about him for PK Subban and and all that. But uh, I, I just think you either gotta be with with these guys or against them. You know, when it comes time for training camp and leadership's gotta come through. You know, Drew and Couturier, Katori Drew made Katori better. Katori made Drew better. And then you want to see that on the Voracek line, too. You want to see Voracek make Patrick better and Patrick make Voracek better. And you just haven't seen that. I I want an older guy to make a younger guy better and vice versa. And, And that's one thing after you get past the first line you don't really see anymore.
0: You know, and and that's something we've talked about for months now has been, you know, the potential free agents this summer or trades and such and how they need to focus on guys that can glue the team together, essentially come in and, and be that leadership and that talent and, you know, a veteran second line center that can carry the team at that point because they the roster they have right now doesn't really have that player they have Claude Giroux and they have Sean Couturier but outside that you either got young kids or you got guys like Voracek who only show up you know 20-30 games out of the season and aren't reliable to you know produce well maybe not produce you know they're going to produce numbers they're going to get the secondary assists and their stat columns are going to look great at the end of the year but you know, they need to lead the team. And, and Van Riemsdyk and Voracek and, you know, those guys are more secondary scorers. They need somebody that's going to kind of tackle this head-on. And, you know, whether that be somebody like Panarin or Duchesne, you know, they need to lock down somebody this summer that can make a big difference.
1: Uh Yeah, I 100% agree. I think, uh, I mean, imagine they got both those guys. Holy shit. Um, but I think a 2C for me, I think, is, a, I, th- I hope, a little bit more feasible than, you know, nailing down a, a sniper. A, a, a sniper, I think, would cost a ton. And not that I'm against it. Like, go for it. If if we can get one, go for it. I, I mean, nobody's really safe on the roster. Like, there's nobody where if they, you know, if they traded somebody, I'm not like, oh, damn, like, big deal. We lost him. Um, but I think I think, and it's unpopular apparently on Twitter, but if they could find a legit second-line center – um, I think a lot of the issues they they would have maybe won five to ten more games this year, I think if they had a second line like they just didn't have another line. Anybody who played with Giroux put up points. past that they, there was nothing.
0: You saw it with Van Riemsdyk for a good portion of the season till maybe the last you know 15, 10, 15 games or so. he didn't mesh with anybody. And I noted this during preseason. I was like, man, this guy, he's not looking, you know, not looking too good. And then proceeded just to just never find chemistry with anybody until there was a game against the Sabres. I don't remember when it was, December, January, whatever, when Couturier went down. And they moved Giroud to center and uh, JVR up to top line left wing with uh, Travis Konechny. And just like that, he looked good. And it was like, huh, wonder why, you know, because he's playing with Giroud. And uh, he did catch on there towards the end of the season. He started to look, you know, more like the player that they signed in the season. But, yeah, it's the guys like Van Riemsdyk and, and Voracek that aren't that don't necessarily carry the level of accountability that the other guys do. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about, well, Matt Duchesne would be that kind of player. But, you know, Matt Duchesne, I think, is very underrated. And a lot of people go, oh, well, you know, he's not the leader. He's not this. He's not that. But, you know... It, his stats are fine, and he's only really ever played for bad teams in his career. You know, when he was in Colorado, they were towards the bottom of the league. He played in Ottawa in the bottom of the league. You know, he was a pretty big piece of the Columbus Blue Jackets late run uh, late run in the regular season, and then their dominance in um, the first round of the playoffs against Lightning and uh, in their fight against Boston, even though they uh, bowed out in the second round. So I would not hate Duchesne as a second-line center at this point.
2: I wouldn't either. It's just that he's going to come with a hefty price tag, you yeah. know, with what he did in the playoffs. He, he made probably made himself an extra, you know, 2 million a year. He's going to be 10 plus because of how well he did in the playoffs because he proved that he could do something when he hasn't had the opportunity just yet. Yeah. He's a guy
1: I, I would I would enjoy watching him over here. He's kind of shifty, you know. He scores some uh, he Scores some highlight real goals. He he's a guy I think uh, I'd be interested to to see pair up with uh, a JVR or or a Konechny. Um, uh, you mentioned JVR taking off when he moved on to a line with Giroux. Um, JVR I think is the kind of player he needs to play with somebody like that who has the offensive creativity. Yes. Um, and I and, and that's what I meant by I think a second-line center would benefit this team greatly um, because, you know, and we've talked about this I don't even know how many times, but mm-hmm. the Flyers have a lot, a of, lot of good-piece players in Konechny, Van Riemsdyk, uh, Voracek serves a purpose. Um, they just don't have someone to stir it all together. Like, Couturier, Giroux, you could put anybody uh, on the right wing with that line, and it would be a solid line. But then what? On the, on the, second, on the second line, you have, uh, let's just say, JBR... I don't know who you want to say. And then who plays right wing? Like, they, they need a second line center, I think, more than anything this offseason.
2: What bothers me is, and, you know, we actually just talked about this, is your leadership, you know, is a reflection of how you should play. Drew makes people better. Why can't some of these older veteran players do follow his lead with that? I mean, JVR comes up, plays on his line, very successful. You know, why can't Voracek say, hey, I want to try to make a guy successful? Because he's only going to make himself successful in the end. I, I wish they would do that. Uh, you know, and JVR never really got in sync. And and the whole team as a whole never really had a system in place. Uh, you know, they, they were trying to just mix in Gordon's system after Hacks all up because of the time of year was. It, it's going to be a good off season because they'll learn Vigneault's system and training camp and be able to take that into the season.
0: I don't know if there's a recorded stat for this or not one of you analytics assholes out there you can tell me but uh, the line combinations <laughs> in a season you know oh, yeah. was, keep the same uh, goddamn lines too it, it, dave Hackstall during his last couple days in december those last eight games or so whenever he lost before he left like every fucking game he was changing lines and then Scott Gordon for a long time was changing lines. Like there, like I don't know what the mathematical equation would be to figure out how many pairs you can have of the Flyers twelve. You know what could you can make? But I, they have to have made almost all the pairs. Everybody's played with everybody. You can't establish I, any chemistry when you're not playing with a guy for more than a couple shifts at a time.
2: I think that's the coach's panic button. Yeah. When 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 it starts to go sideways or go south, you know, let me try doing this. Maybe this will work. Maybe that'll work. And and maybe just. Doesn't work,
0: and it worked for Dave Haxtell once when he put uh, uh, Giroux on the left wing and Couturier in the middle and Connecty in the right, and then he mm-hmm. coasted on that for two years before he got fired as his lone achievement behind the Flyers bench.
2: That's the other thing. I, I love Travis Connecty. Please let him have a role that he can get comfortable in and try to improve on as a as a player. He, I mean, every time you see him, he's on the first. He's on the fourth line. I uh, know, now he's playing the third line tonight. Let him get, let him let him gel with somebody.
0: I think Konechny's much better served in the, you know, Wayne Simmons role of a, you know, second or third line yes. winger. Yes, second or
2: third line, you know, not your first line guy.
0: That, but second he, or third yeah. line, yeah. He doesn't have to carry the scoring like he would on the first line. He can score, but he's not the best pure scorer you know he can be physical he can be scrap he can put him on there and he's hard to play against you know while he can contribute goals you know he can really kind of carry that banner that you know Wayne Simmons left and I think that that's something that you know we kind of touched upon earlier in the season after Simmons left was like you know Konechny is the prime candidate to kind of fill this role you know moving forward and for a little while he did you know, off and on throughout the rest of this uh, regular season, you know, he was kind of in that role and he looked good when he was in that role, but then they kept moving back up to the top line and, you know, there's nothing wrong with him on the top line, but I think he's just, he's just best served in a role where he can be a little more physical and doesn't have to be quite the pure goal scorer.
2: Yeah. I I just say, Hey, you're going to be, you're on this line, do what you need to do to be successful. You know, and, let your line mates know what you're gonna do because he's he's shifty enough and can can do multiple things penalty kill, you know because he's great on a penalty kill because he's so fast. You can try to get short handed opportunities. he's just got to be that that falcon out there just rover wherever he wants to
0: go. Yeah, um, let's talk goaltending because this is the interesting one moving forward. Carter Hart, obviously the guy, even though he's playing second fiddle to Matt Murray in Team Canada. Uh, for the worlds which i wrote about in brotherly puck weekly this week check it out on the front page of brotherlypuck.com right now um there's the cheap plug for the day but yeah Woo-hoo. the ba- <laughs> the backup the battle for the backup we kind of touched upon this in OMB, so i'll get your opinions here cam talbot or brian elliot you know at this point i would assume it is between those two you know looking at the list of free agents there isn't a whole lot of choices. And quite frankly, Talbot and Elliot are probably two of the better options as far as the free agent market goes outside of, uh, Bobrovsky and Varlamov, which I don't think are going to happen at this point. So Jim, who would you rather have and why Talbot or Elliot? Uh,
1: so I was thinking about this while you were talking and, you know, part of me was like, well, we know what we have in Brian Elliot and he actually didn't play horrible. Um, he was decent in a lot of games this year. But then I'm like, nah, what if he gets hurt? Then I'm going to be looking at Alex Lyon next year. And I'm like, uh, Cam Talbot. Yeah, I'd rather go Cam Talbot. Uh, didn't Vigneault have him in New York for a season or two? Or yep. is that too far
0: back? No, he had him in uh, at least a season. At least one, right? Uh, do some quick research. So, so just, just for the sake of change... Um,
1: because I, I I'm more intrigued by the unknown, and I don't I don't think we saw too much of Cam Talbot, and when we did, uh, the Flyers are basically out of any contention for the playoffs. So, yeah. not sure if it was really fair to say you know if he played well or not. I mean, the one game he played terrible, but I think I would rather have Cam Talbot than Brian Elliott. I've seen enough of Elliott. Uh, Talbot was a Ranger,
0: 2013 to 2015. Vigneault. Was there 2013 to 2018? So yeah, it would have been there through the whole uh, Cam Talbot run in the Rangers. So he's familiar with him, and that was another you know I guess key they brought him in. Not only was he Carter Hart's friend, but he was there. But I I I pretty much agree with you. I, Talbot did not get a fair shake this year. You know he was acquired for Stolars, I believe, in the beginning of February. And then proceeded to sit on the bench. I believe he played 90 minutes of hockey over the preceding like a month and a half until the very end of the season when the Flyers were eliminated and nobody gave a shit. The last five games of the season were so brutal to watch and Talbot was fed to the wolves for two or three of those games. And it's like, that's not a fair assessment. You know, Elliot played perfectly fine this year, especially when Carter Hart went down around the stadium series. Um... And you know, I, it wouldn't necessarily be about him. It'd be about injuries. If he goes down, and then Carter Hart's by himself, and you really don't want, you know, the thing we've seen that Dave Hackstall would do with. <laughs> do you need to sneeze in the microphone on my show?
1: <laughs> I sneezed away. I'm sorry. <laughs> I tried to block it too.
2: Well, maybe I'm if you're sorry. wearing a shirt, you could use that to catch yeah.
1: it. I try. I put my head underneath the desk. <laughs> <laughs> worst It actually hurt.
0: Uh, what was I talking about? Heart. Uh... <laughs> if if
2: if, uh, if Carter Hart goes down. Yeah. If Carter Hart uh... goes
0: down, you know, I I I don't know. I think Elliot may be the better goaltender, but I think Talbot has the better history of being healthy, and you know, could at least man the crease while anybody would be down if necessary. I think Talbot is going to be. You know, your average NHL goaltender. You know, I don't think he's anything special. You know, I think in his time... His numbers were incredibly inflated in New York. He was working on, like, a 940 save percentage or something crazy like that. And then, uh, you know, he went to Edmonton, which is just, you know, just as bad defensively as the Flyers are. And he was working on, like, a 910 or, you know... I believe like an 893 or something in Edmonton this season before he got traded. So I, I think reality is he's probably somewhere in the middle, which is, you know, an average goaltender. And I think health wise, you just have to pick him over uh Cam Talbot uh, or rather Brian Elliott. Uh, Michael, what do you think?
2: See, I actually disagree with you guys. I think Elliott's the way to go. And, and the reason is, is because I, I don't believe Cam Talbot has it him anymore. He's, he's been on a downward spiral a little bit for the past, you know, two and a half seasons. Um yes, you are right health wise that Talbot is the one to get, but I think mentally he's not the one for a backup role right now. Elliott's a perfect spot for it. He's on, you know, the end of tail end of his career. If he knows he's the backup guy, I think he would be better suited. Uh it, my whole biggest concern is not so much who is the backup goalie, but the goalie coach. They kept the goalie coach and Kim yeah, I mean, they, they kept they kept Kim, and I worry about the workload of these goalies. That's been, I think, the issue with why they get hurt is their workload and what they take yeah. on. So I'm hoping that Vigneault has his own sort of style as far as the workload a goalie's going to take, regardless who's behind there, so they have a little bit more durability because I, I honestly think that Kim Dillenbaugh was part of the problem over the past couple of years as far as these goalies keep on going down. Maybe not so much Neuvirth. Neuwirth, you know, sneezes yeah, like Jim. That's his problem,
0: yeah. yeah. Hey,
1: hey,
0: hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, goalie, man, that's that's the biggest worry for me. And I, I fought the good fight with this, you know, argument all season long about not playing Carter Hart for long stretches at a time because uh, there's just no reason to. You know the Flyers were essentially out of the playoffs. You know they never really got closer than five points, and I guess you know there's something to that. When you're 20 games left, oh man, they're only five points out. They got a chance, but they never really got close. And uh, I don't, I don't like running goaltenders into the ground. You know the I prefer the three-one split. You know four-one at most, but like I just don't see it, and it's been the issue for fucking years now at this team has been you know even when steve mason was here you know he would play long stretches of games before they would throw new earth in and then new year's earth would get hurt and they would have to throw steve mason back in but yeah that's that's been an issue and you know whether that was dave haxtell or whether that was dillabaugh's doing we don't really know um but hopefully that's something that you know elaine vignot does not let happen i wonder what uh longquist was Playing in New York, well, you know sense.
2: what? That's you're you're funny. You're asking that because I'm literally looking at that right now. I'm trying to find it.
0: I was I guess?
2: Because L- Lundqvist, but Lunquist gets mad when you give him a night off. They're,
0: yeah, that's not like a good Lund, example.
2: <laughs> Always like Lundqvist. Well, Lundqvist over the years, you know, he's solid goalie. You know, one of the best goalies out there. But they're the goalies like Lunquist, like Brodor. You know, those guys aren't around anymore. No, they're going to be workhorses and, and give you. You know 60 games a year 61 games a year they're they're not there anymore Mm -hmm. but you're right the goal that goal is three to one you know three games in one out there's nothing wrong with that sort of workload not 10 in a row
0: what oh jesus christ jim what What? i didn't want to say it (laughs) 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 okay go do what you got to do bud Me and Mike will talk about goalies a little longer. But you (laughs) see, here's the thing. The numbers are are skewed in Cam Talbot's case as well. In Edmonton, 2015-16, he played 56 games. 16-17, he played 73 games. 17-18, he played 67 games. Yeah, and I think that's that's why he is where he is right now. And then he played 31 uh, in Edmonton before getting traded to the Philadelphia where he played four. You know, it's just, (laughs) that's crazy. I, I, I don't know. You know, I would have no problem with Elliott coming back. It's just you I do not I don't I don't know. Unless they bring in, you know, another guy and, and you know, the hot the trending thing in the NHL these days seems to be three goaltenders. I believe Elliot Friedman was talking about this, we talked about it on Monday night in the LB podcast about you know, the three goalie system. And quite frankly, looking at, you know, the list of free agents right now, you know, you got guys like Mike Smith, who's 37, Cam Ward's 35, Antti Niemi's 36, though I believe he just signed uh, with the KHL earlier today, Ryan Miller's 39, you know, all these guys, Peter Budai, I believe he retired, he's 37, Curtis McLean, he's 36. It's crazy to think, you know, there aren't a whole lot of options behind the top two guys in Bobrovsky and Varlamov. And it makes it it, look like Cam Talbot and Elliott are, are, you know, the two best options possible.
2: I mean, but look at the names you just named, too. These are, these are Brian Miller alone, you know, and Cam Ward. These are guys that played a lot during their, during their heyday and now are the backups and they're setting backup roles where, their team's number one goalie is a little more durable where they're not asked to do too much. Like Brian Elliott has been over the past couple of years or Michael Neuverth, you know, and I was looking at one stats first eight years, 53, 70, 72, 70, 73, 68, 62.
0: Yeah, it's just, it's not something you see anymore, you know, no, things like no. that, and people people want to run Carter Hart for that long, but especially, he's still going to be young, he's going to be, what, 21 next season, he turns 21 mm-hmm. in August, and it's like, it's still too young to be riding him for more than, you know, 50, maybe 55 games a season, There's there's just no reason to give Carter Hart a huge start at this point, no matter how good he's playing. You know, I, I think this year is long-term benefit to not run him into the ground already.
2: This season coming up Carter Hart should be 50, go, 50 games. Yeah. And then the year after that, you know, pump it up to 55, 60 and see what you got. Cause I think this year is going to be, you know, not a lost year, but I think this is going to be a feeling out year, which again, you're going to waste another one of Drew's years in Drew's prime, But, You know, at least you'll know what you got because this is where the roster is going to be interesting with all the young guys that we've been hearing about coming. They're coming. They're coming. Well, now they're here. Let's see who makes the club.
0: Carter Hart um, played 31 games this season. Now I don't know how many games he was was, for
2: How many in a row did he play at one time? That's the real question. I
0: believe he had two stretches of five.
2: See, that's too many.
0: Yeah. If I may.
1: Go
2: ahead. Oh, you're (laughs) back. (laughs)
1: I'm looking at uh, – I like to compare uh, Carter Hart to Carey Price and, and um, Marc-Andre Fleury. I'm looking at uh, Carey Price's first couple of seasons here. In 07-08, he started 40 games. 08-09, started 49. 09-2010, uh, 39 games started. And then his fourth year, 2010-2011, he started 70 games. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a uh, 0.923 save percentage, eight shutouts. but um, So maybe that's why he started so much because his next year was 65. I think the next year must have been a, a lockout or he got hurt or something because he only played 38. He hasn't played over 66 games since uh, 2010,
2: 2011. Just, well, uh, up, in, up until this year, the team really hasn't been that great either, where yeah. they, they probably just, you know, Gave him a roast a lot of times. I think last year he was hurt at the end of the year. I was going to
1: say, I was going uh, to. Hasn't hasn't he kind of been like on and off hurt for the past couple? Yeah, seasons?
2: since he signed his big contract, he's he's had a little rough injury wise, and he got it together at the end of the season because he even started out a little rough too.
1: Yes, yeah, so, I mean uh, for me, that's something uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go off of there. I mean, I'm going to assume. I mean, I won't assume, but I think protecting and I don't when I say protecting I don't mean babying but um protecting Carter Hart uh for the next maybe 2 years 3 years should be a priority yes um if if they're bringing in let's say defensive minded coaches um who are going to implement a defensive system uh you know so that Carter doesn't necessarily face 35 shots a game night in and night out or if they they need to bring in um, a, a decent backup that can play 35 to 45 games a season. Uh, I think that's absolutely a, a top priority, even though he's a phenom. He's the savior. He's this, he's going to be amazing. He's still what? twenty, twenty-one 21 years old, we said. Um, so I, I think, you know, and he is a player that I think will want to play every game. Like you, like you mentioned with uh Lundquist, Mike. Um, but I think, and I think where also the Flyers failed this year is they need to protect him from himself. He's a kid. What's he going to say? I don't want to play every night. He's a, his first year in the National Hockey League. Like, give him, You have to look out for him. You have to look out for his best interest long term as well. Like you said, they're not going to be winning anything the next couple years. So you gotta, you got to protect him. He's the, he actually is the franchise. So you, you do got to look out for him.
0: Three, four, I'm going to do math. Bear with me. God damn it.
2: I'll say this while you're doing math, Dan. Uh, unless he's pitching shutouts, or they're on a really big winning streak, it should be three or four games on, and then one off.
1: Yeah, I don't think that's I don't think that's too much to ask, you know. I think um, that's why it's it's very important to find a capable backup, and then with that's why I mentioned what scares me with Elliot is okay, he's sounds like a good backup on paper. If he goes down then we're going to be watching Alex Lyon? Or, or is Carter Hart going to start every night? You know what I mean?
0: Okay. Now that the smoke is cleared. Uh, Carter smoke Hart... Uh, no, my brain was thinking. The wheels Way- <laughs> were turning. Um, Carter Hart played 31 out of a possible 51 games since he got called up. Uh, which, like- that's that's... You know, over a full season, that would be, what, 50... 50- you know, 54-55 games to an 82-game schedule. That's not too bad. That would be about right. Um, But, you know, it's not necessarily what he's doing overall. It's when he gets, you know, going on multiple stretches. I hate when goaltenders play more than four or five games in a row. It drives me nuts. And we used to see it all the time. And Elliot didn't, Solars played eight in a row in December till he got hurt. You know, Elliot. you know, did it last season, and then he got hurt, and then he got thrown into the playoffs and got hurt again. You know, and it's just, there's no reason to do that. I don't care how good you are. You know, saving yourself for the long term is great. We used to see it with Steve Mason all the time. He would throw him in there, and he would play long stretches of games at a time, maybe one or two breaks, and then he would make it to the playoffs and be completely gassed. You know, we saw it against the Capitals. Uh, what was that 2016 already. You know, 2016, 17, whenever it was, when when they made the playoffs, and he made it, and it was just goddamn. He just looked atrocious because he was so damn tired because they had to win 20 of their last 25 games. You know, and he played most of that time. You just – you got to be careful with your goaltenders. They're not as, you know, superhuman as people think they are.
1: Yeah, and, I, and I'm looking at Marc-Andre Fleury's stats now. I'm not, I'm not going to go down the list here. But basically since his third year in the league, I mean his first, first year 20 starts, second year 45. But after that, it's been between, you know, 62 and 65 starts every season. Um, and he didn't really get his shit together until – uh, his fourth fourth year in the league, so I mean we're all expecting Carter Hart to be, um, you know, and that was not,
2: a two overall pick too,
1: right? So I mean, and the same thing with Carey Price, he didn't come straight in and, and light the league up. It took him two three years to actually be Carey Price. You know what I mean? Um, so uh, that's why I I do think it's important that they they find a way to protect Carter Hart because you know it's just inevitable. He's not going to be uh, he's not going to put up. You know the numbers that we're expecting right away, at least I don't think if he does amazing, but uh, it could be two three years till we see the actual actual stud.
0: It looks like Zedannya Chara took a shot off the foot and has gone down the tunnel by the way hmm <whistles> the that has to be elder abuse if you hit Zedan Chara at this point, right? The guy's only yeah. like forty five <laughs>
1: It, he looks like he's uh, off Game of Thrones or something.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he looks Maybe. like he's dead a lot of the times, too. Like he's got no sort of complex coloring in his skin at all. Well, he's from somewhere in Europe. What, Czech Republic? I he probably drinks the blood of, of the healthy scratches before the game. <laughs> 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 I remember he was in a long island with the Islanders with... Uh, what was the other guy named <laughs> Karnes? It was Carnes and Vicarra.
0: And those guys were just beating people up. Like Simon Moran. Yes. Um, Speaking of Boston, let's talk some playoffs here. Because we actually, uh, with the exception of Michael, uh, the three of us (laughs) did pretty decent. Uh, Jim, (laughs) uh, myself, and Brian, uh, we each had two series right. Michael had zero. But if you want to count just the teams that we had right and not the amount of games... Then Jim, Brian, and myself had three right, and Michael had one.
2: Hey, as long as I pick the winner, one winner is good enough for me.
0: Let's uh, start from the top here. Boston, uh, Columbus, is that? I can't read my writing. Boston, Columbus ended in six games in favor of Boston. Jim, myself, and Brian all had Boston in six. Michael had Boston in five. So that is where you pick up your loan point of the uh, <laughs> loan point of the thing here. But uh, you know, Columbus came out strong, but they just weren't good enough to tackle Boston. Uh, you know, Tuka Rask has looked really, really good. Uh, the Boston scoring has been great. Not super surprised that Columbus didn't make it here. John Tortorella, it's a shame he's out because his post game interviews are always my favorite. Uh, so it is a uh, it's a shame, but you know, I it's this series pretty much went as I expected it to go. Uh, Jim,
1: uh, yeah, and I, I mean, I know I picked Boston in six, but I did ex- I did want Columbus to win. Um, I'm not sure how Boston keeps doing it, man. I mean, I guess too Rask, but. I thought Columbus was the more skilled team, um, and, and somehow, like, uh, don't you feel like you need to see more of Panarin? Like, don't you feel like? I, I feel like he could have done more. Was that just me?
0: Yeah, hey, uh, you know, uh, he definitely didn't carry them. You know, for as
1: much for as much as we talk about him, I'm like, where's the big goals, um, dude? Like, come on. Um, yes. like it, a lot of it was Duchene and. I feel like a you know a lot of guys just didn't show up for them. Bobrovsky was Bobrovsky in the uh, in the game they lost. Uh, I mean, they didn't really help them out much. But I don't know how Boston keeps doing it. You know,
0: well, he... Boston keeps
2: doing it with their experience. They just they find ways to win. They've been doing that for the past couple of years as That's far a... as trying to win series. And I mean, they get lots of practice doing it against Toronto, so they can do it against another series too.
1: Yeah, but
2: yeah I they... I just think Columbus just. You know, ran out of gas. I mean, the, the that first round series, they were just they were up hype with it, and let's face it, they came. I don't want to say limping in the playoffs, but they they almost didn't make the playoffs, so it was probably a struggle to get to that back. Overall, Panarin, you are right. I did expect more, but there's a reason why you know Panarin played with with Kane all those years. You know, and was successful. He might need that that player to complement him and what better player to compliment than Claude Giroux? (laughs) Why not? Those two get them together.
0: Panarin has uh, 11, had 11 points in 10 playoff games this year. Wow. It doesn't seem like he did that much, but that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. I, I think I talked about it when we made the predictions that, you know, Columbus was able to run through Tampa, but Boston is a completely different team than Tampa is. You know they're, they're very they're they far more physical team more complete team overall and uh, you know I think that's essentially what happened is they got beat at their own game that's something they uh, you know were able to do against Tampa so Boston in six it's uh, points for Brian Jimmy and myself the other one in the East went beautifully Carolina beat the Islanders in four games swept them uh, Jim myself and Brian. Had Carolina in seven games. Michael had the Islanders in seven games, so three of us got points for the correct team. Michael got absolutely nothing. <laughs> this was this That's was like. <laughs> this was the perfect scenario for me. Islanders sweat Pittsburgh and then they come in and get swept by the hurricanes. Perfect. It's great, you know, Carolina. I don't know what they're doing down there, but uh they they look fantastic. You know, they're obviously not scoring as many goals as, as you would like, and their offense just isn't quite there. And even on paper, that's not shocking. You know, looking at who their roster is, they have Aho, and then, you know, nobody else underneath them. But, yeah, yeah hey, listen, I mean, this is going to be a tough series for them against Boston, but, you know, the fact that they were able to dispatch the Islanders, who made the entire season on a strong unit and a strong system, you know, they were able to take advantage of that and uh, dispatch them pretty quickly. Jim?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh I don't know who expected the uh, the Hurricanes to sweep the Islanders and we all picked seven games. Uh yeah, I don't know. I really don't know what to say. I mean, they thoroughly dominated them. Much like the Islanders did to the Penguins in the first round. Uh didn't expect that. Uh good good for Carolina. Uh it's it's cool to see Rob Brendamore doing well down there and yeah, that's pretty much my take.
0: Don Cherry is wearing a Boston Bruins sports coat with just the logo printed fucking everywhere. <laughs> I kind of like Don Cherry. Fuck Don Cherry. Guy needs to be locked up somewhere. <laughs> uh, yeah, Michael, your take on the uh, Carolina Islanders? I, I think the best...
2: The First of all, Islanders didn't even show up. No. You know, it's what happens when you, you have a playoff series in Brooklyn. Um, but... The best thing that could have happened with the Hurricanes is sweeping them because they really have a lot of injuries going on. And probably their most important injury was our old friend Peter Marazic who who got hurt at, what was it, game five or six? Um, It was game five because McInerney came in, right? But, uh, yeah, Carolina wins because they're playing physical. They're playing physical. They don't have to put five pucks in the net. They can basically win. They can beat you two to one. And they wear you down, which is why in, over, in overtimes they've looked really good because they've worn you down. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see some more magic out of them, too, when we do our predictions. Uh,
0: yeah. Over to the West, St. Louis-Dallas. What a series that was. Um, crazy. St. Louis- Won the series 4-3. to three. Jim, myself, and Brian had St. Louis in 7. Mike had St. Louis in 6. So, another pity point there for Mike. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, you know, I thought for sure Dallas was going to win this one once the series started. Because it was looking good. And uh, St. Louis came along and uh, stave off elimination. And beat him in double overtime in Game 7 by Patrick Maroon. So uh, you know that's certainly of all the people on the St. Louis Blues roster, I was not expecting him to score, but uh, he did. And uh, St. Louis going to the conference final. Uh, I don't remember the last time we did this. I can look it up quick. Uh, well, I throw it to Jim. Your opinions. Uh,
1: so I wanted the Stars to win. I think they're a little bit more fun, at least for me to watch. Uh, I, like you said, I picked St. Louis in seven. The more the Blues win, the more I dislike that team. I don't know why. <laughs> Something about the Blues is just like, God damn it. Like, just, just lose already. Like, but Ruby's not that good of a coach, is he? No. Uh, he just keeps winning. So, 2015-16 um,
0: they lost in the conference finals to the Sharks. Look at that. little rematch, huh? A little rematch. Hey, yeah. who, did, who, who did the Blues beat first round? I can't remember. Jets.
1: The Jets. I mean, so they're they're beating some pretty decent teams. Uh it, it you know next series is going to be really interesting cuz St. Louis is arguably the the hottest team you know the last couple months of the the uh, season now and they just keep going.
0: Brueby's interesting because I think he had an underwhelming team in Philadelphia. The roster was not that great and then he goes to St. Louis which you know going into the season had a stacked roster. And it was a fucking, you know, insane that they weren't able to get it off the ground for the first three months of the season. So it's kind of like, you know, his roster is great there and a the roster was subpar in Philly. You know, I think it really is kind of unknown what Baruby is as a coach at this point. But, uh, Michael, your thoughts on the uh, series?
2: This series was probably the, the most fun to watch so far, these playoffs, because yeah. Dallas was in control. And all of a sudden it's like, holy shit, St. Louis is forcing a game seven. Like, where did they come from? uh I kind of like watching St. Louis play because you have a bunch of guys that are playing as a team. Nobody is really trying to, you know, steal in the show. I mean, Maroon had the goal the other night, which was nice to see a hometown boy get the goal, and this kid was there crying, which is cool. But I mean, who would have thought both of these teams?
0: Yay, crying children!
2: Love <laughs> yeah, to see a kid cry on TV. That's why I watch the league series. But uh, yeah, this was a fun series. I'm I'm glad St. Louis won. Because I like watching Berube there. It's nice to see Shen get that. Um, but that's enough out of both of them. I've had enough. It's bad enough we still have looking at Brenda Moore and Justin Williams. Um, Could but- you imagine Berube and uh, Br- uh, Brenda Moore in the finals? I mean, it it's, it wouldn't be surprised surprise if it happens.
0: Flyers Twitter no. is going to fold in on itself when that happens.
2: <laughs>
0: I, I love the tweets that we saw this week. How the Holy Flyers – on we, Justin Williams. Let me pull that up because I was just about to rant about that. Let me get it word for word here. I mean, come on. Justin Williams left here a long time ago. It 2004. Like, I did a it, whole write up in this week's Brotherly Puck Weekly about that trade right now yeah, on the front page just, of com.
2: Uh, same when you see Patrick Sharp. Oh, see. You know, Flyers Flyers fans get all up in arms about Patrick Sharp. Look, he was a young kid. You didn't even know what you had in Patrick Sharp when he was traded away, uh, you know, let alone when he won two or three cuts with Chicago, but. It is what it is. I mean, who cares? (laughs) Ruby had had a shit team when he was there, like you said, Dan. And he inherited crap, and he was in a no-win situation. But he's not that great of a coach. I mean, a couple years ago, he was looking to be a coach in Germany and couldn't get a job there.
0: Uh, in the tweet from Dan Heening here, imagine being the, organiza- the organization that gave up on Brendamore, Moore, Williams, Maroon, Barubi, Shen, Marazic. Imagine being the fan base that continually talks shit about the Boston Bruins. Boy, would you look dumb this season. The thing is, I'll give you Justin Williams because they did give up on him because, but you know, he was injury. He had uh, tore his ACL. He had a sh- fucked up shoulder, and I believe he broke his hand or something like that. I, I wrote about it all this week. And then, uh, Mrazek was fucking atrocious last season. Though I was a fan of Mrazek going in. Maroon is you know your average NHLer. Shen, we tried for years to fit Shen here, and he never really worked. You know, Barubi had a shitty roster, and fucking Brendamore played 633 games in Philadelphia before he was traded. Like, nobody was giving up on! Uh,
1: I, I don't, didn't Moore request to be traded? Didn't somebody bang his wife
2: or something? Yeah, didn't Lindros mess no, with his wife? The, the Lindros uh, banged Brendamore's wife, tail and that's why he got traded.
1: Yeah, so uh, nobody gave up on him. Like this dude, I don't think really knows what he's talking about there. And then uh, let me pull up Justin Williams stats real quick because, like, it, don't get me wrong, he's been a he's been a nice player for
2: uh, a long time now. But he's a you know, he's been a fourth liner for the past five years. He just has extremely good leadership skills.
1: The dude scored he scored over fifty nine points twice in his career, and that was oh five oh six oh six oh seven. Like, gave up on Justin Williams. Like, come on, dude. 786 points in 1,244 games. He's not tearing up the universe. You know what I mean?
0: He just played for fucking ever.
1: Yeah, he won a couple cups, but, you know, hes I think he's most known now for what? Winning game, uh, winning a couple games in the playoffs, right? After
0: Game 7. Yeah.
1: yeah, I mean... He's uh, won,
0: what, three cups? Two in yeah. LA and one in Carolina? Two in Carolina. LA and one in Carolina. Yeah. yeah. Jesus. Bastard. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't give up on him. Like, come on. Get the hell out of here with that. Yeah, and then, you know what? That Moore trade brought one of my favorite flyers here was Keith Primo. One of my favorites of all time right there.
1: Did you stay up there in the overtime game? Five overtime game?
0: I don't think I stayed up through it all. God, how old was I when they did that? I was, it was what, I was 2005? was
2: great. 2003? No, it was 2000. It was 2000. I was a freshman in college. Shit I was...
0: 2000 in April I would have been 5 maybe, 5, 6
2: <laughs> I think I was 12 or 13 there was a, there was a kid that, because we had the game on in, in my room and he was literally there, he only got up to leave in between periods or commercials to go to the bathroom or whatever he got up because he couldn't hold it any longer because back then, over time there was no commercials, there wasn't a halfway point commercial or anything like that, it was just straight through and he got up to go to the bathroom. That's when they scored.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah.
2: His name was Ben. I'll never forget that. He was so distraught. But, hell, he was he was a Flyers fan and a Mets fan. So, go Ugh. On.
0: Is that I Sean see. Thornton? Is he still playing hockey? Who is that? No way. He's no, still, that's not, He fucking looks be. just like him. God damn. Caffer? Caffarley? Corraly? He's on the bottom. fucking looks just like Sean Thornton. Jesus. I mean, Got to look up the Bruins roster now because now I'm dumbfounded. Bruins roster. Looked-
1: I'm, still, I'm still angry that somebody said they gave up on Justin Williams. <laughs> I, at but
0: least I, think, I
2: understand the Justin Williams. I think Bobrovsky might be the only player in the past 15 years they could say they gave up on. Maybe JVR too the first time.
0: That was either Stephen Campfer or Carson Kuhlman. Hmm. I
1: never heard of Kuhlman. But yeah, I do agree with Bobrovsky. Even though I was never... Even still, I'm not crazy for Bobrovsky. Well, he was going to require a lot of money, and you had Briscaloff.
0: Sure. Yeah, yeah I, that's essentially it. I would say Patrick Sharp maybe as well. But again, he, he, Patrick Sharp is more or less oh. in the situation that Williams was in. Like they were young and they just needed different moves at that point they traded justin williams for a fucking danny Markov, who was supposed to be helping then the salary cap happened and you know fucked him over there and they traded him to nashville but Brovski just didn't fit you know he wasn't this vesna caliber guy in philadelphia and they had fucking Ilya Br- uh, ilia for nine years so there was no way they could have kept him yeah uh, playoffs. I right? mean, uh, Colorado San Jose. That wasn't. I was a bizarre series all the way through. Uh, lesson of the day is: do not get San Jose to seven games. Martin Jones will stone you out, and then you will. The Sharks will get a call in their favor and beat you. Uh, happened again in Colorado. Sharks won four to three. That series. Jim had Sharks in five. Uh, Michael had. Colorado in seven. I had Colorado in six. Brian had Colorado in seven. So nobody was right on that one. Jim got the oh, team. You get a half a point anyway. for getting
2: the amount of games right, though.
0: Nobody got the games right.
2: Wasn't it seven?
0: No, it like, was Colorado in seven.
2: Yeah, so had San like, Jose getting seven sorry. games right. Though?
0: Oh, there you go. We'll, we'll do We'll do a quarter point for fucking just predicting <laughs> a I year. had
2: one point. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, but uh, Sharks, uh, you know, they had a controversial ending in Vegas, uh, and Martin Jones stood on his head, and then they went to Colorado, had a convert... Uh, uh, da, da, da. Hmm. Edit that. Yeah. What the fuck's the word now? <laughs> controversial. controversial. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, Daniel. Uh, ending in Colorado, and then Martin Jones stood on his head. Now, time code is 58 minutes, so I'm going to go back and edit that <laughs> just completely... Uh, can you just not edit that now and just leave that whole thing in there? <laughs> we might have to now that we're talking about it. Had a brain fart, what can you say? Uh, um, to the club. Somebody take this. Jim, run away with this.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, who would have thought, man? Colorado looked really really, actually entertaining, I guess is the word you, you would want to use because I know I didn't expect them to go to Game 7 in the second round. Uh, I think that goes to show like just how good uh Nathan McKinnon is uh Rantanen I think is a stud in and of himself I don't think he gets enough credit because he plays with a guy like Landis Kaga and McKinnon um I think you also have to give some credit to the Avalanche coach um to to make this roster work you know essentially a one-line team I I think they played pretty solid defensively they got decent goaltending um they pushed you know the eventual Stanley Cup champion to a seventh game in the second round I mean, what more could you ask for besides besides a win? Um, happy the Sharks won. Uh, I think they'll stomp the Blues and continue their march towards his, uh, Lord
2: Stanley's Cup. Yeah, who who would have thought a team that limped into the playoffs? They,
1: they were know, actually what? under five hundred.
2: Yes, they limped in. They were just happy to be there. I mean, we were talking like, okay, you know, and this is where they have to find, they to dig down and find something new. Who would have thought they would have made it to Eastern Conference Finals? Uh, Colorado is just going to is just getting stronger and stronger by the season over the past three seasons from you know just barely getting in the year before uh to to what they did this year. They're they're just a team that's going to be around for a while. They are just a one line team, basically. Branton and had them on my fantasy hockey team this year. So I, I paid a little closer attention to Colorado. They were a lot of fun to watch. And they have good defense. And they have a good young defense and, in, in, you know, maker that they brought up towards the end of, for the playoffs. He basically threw them in there at playoffs. And Tyson Berry's a stud, too. So we're going to, this is the last we saw of Colorado. But, you know, I don't mind San Jose in here. I think, you know, San Jose and Carolina are, are like my favorite picks as far as seeing the players that are on the teams and wanting them to do good. I would love to see Joe Thornton get a, get a cup.
1: I think the hockey gods are on their side, if you believe in that kind of mm. stuff. And you know, they just keep getting these calls, and they keep squeaking out these Game 7s. And how about pa- Pavelski's tip
2: last night?
0: The fact that Pavelski's like, alive at this point boggled <sighs> my mind. I thought for sure he was dead after he landed on his head, and there was no word on him for like three, four days after that. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean- his tip had, that tip goal was unbelievable. He had his head stapled together, and went back out there and had that tip goal. First came back. He's a hockey player. Sean Thornton was playing as recently as twenty seventeen. I hate that you're still looking up. Yeah, he, Thornton. He, he just retired. I, I, yeah, I thought he fucking retired like a decade ago. Yeah, who was he playing for? Florida.
2: He, playing, he played for. He retired with Florida. Yeah, I think Probably. he was like an assistant captain down there or something too. Something Probably. weird they captain, grit, that, yeah, oh, was, McK- McKenzie was their captain for a lot of years. That's, that's right. Yeah. McKenzie. <laughs> it's funny. Uh,
0: I fell down this rabbit hole of Sean Thornton. I'm going to be looking at this rest of the night. Brooks or pick incident. What happened? Hmm.
1: I, I somehow ended up on Simone Gagne. Did did he play for Boston? Cause yeah. his
2: pitch? I don't remember that. Did he play for Tampa Bay?
0: Yes. Yes. I don't remember the that. The Flyers either, traded right? him to Tampa Bay. <laughs>
2: yeah. They that's how we got. Isn't that how we got uh Goodis? No,
0: that was, that I was know, Mazaros, I believe. That was, oh, Mazaros. Or Lilia, one of the two. Let me hang on. now. I, <laughs> yeah, let's find that because I don't Usually ever have a list of memory. memory. For Tampa oh, we got Coburn was traded for Gutis. Oh, Gagne was traded for Matt Walker and Marcel Nobles. Jesus Christ. Seriously, man. Wow. What the fuck was that trade? <laughs> Matt Walker. <laughs> oh, God. Forgot he existed.
2: <laughs> was that like oh. a trade, that line one where... Where Gagne was the veteran guy going to help out a team. that it was uh,
0: July 19th, 2010. It was the middle yeah, of the so summer. Yes, they were in the
2: cup. Weren't they? Didn't they go to the finals that year? Uh, Tampa
0: Bay? 2011? And they lost to Boston? 2010? 2011? I don't think so. Uh 2010.
2: Tampa... When they the
0: Eastern Conference and lost to Boston. I think oh, they traded them because they needed some cap relief. I don't think it was...
1: Forsberg and Gagne was one of the the best one two com- like line combos I've, I I can remember seeing. That two was so my much favorite, fun to
0: watch. Probably Peter Forsberg is probably my top three favorite of all time. And Gagne and Forsberg was like fucking incredible.
1: That was great, man. I'm I'm, I'm somehow I got stuck on the I was looking up Yoni Pitkin actually for some reason <laughs> because we were looking. I love like
0: Yoni He was one of my big fan. Loved him. He... But I somehow
1: got stuck on that roster.
0: Hmm. Well, they were finished. Where the fuck's their goddamn... There it is. Uh, They finished fifth in the East. And... God, Dwayne Rollison was their goaltender. Holy Jeez. fuck. He had to be well, And Dan Ellis. <laughs> oh, my God. Sure, that combo awesome. had to be 70-day. Rashers. Day, when the fuck was their playoff race? Oh, they did make it to the Eastern Conference against Boston that year.
2: Yeah, that was the year Boston won the Cup.
0: Yeah, huh. Then I, I think I believe they traded Ganya because they needed cap relief. Then they got him back three years later from the Kings for a conditional fourth round pick. I don't I ever who... remember Gagne playing with the Flyers again. I don't know where the what? hell I
2: was. wait, <laughs> when he played with the Flyers again, he owned Boston in that in that series that they came back in. Was that the second time he was with the Flyers? I was, I would believe that was the second.
0: Oh no, maybe that was 2010. He came back in 2013, the lockout year.
2: That's all right. Yeah. Okay.
0: The Ganya came back, and Knubble came back. and That's
2: you know, what happens when God every NHL great. player has played for the Flyers. Once yeah, or twice. more or
0: less, yeah. They like come back sooner or later. Uh, what are we even talking about? Colorado Avalanche?
1: Yes. <laughs> San Jose. How Jim was right again.
0: Mm, <laughs> okay, so the predictions <laughs> for... Oh, I had to burp. Pardon me. The <laughs> predictions for the... Uh, conference Finals, Boston, Carolina. That game is up now. It is one-one, with fourteen oh three to go in the second period. Uh, Jimmy, uh, let me
1: see here. Let me think about this. Uh, I don't know. I I think it's going to be a, a battle. Uh, I don't I don't really know how Boston loses. I just think I would love to see Carolina win. I really would. Uh, I'm gonna go something crazy, and I'm gonna say four-one Boston. Wow! I'm sorry,
0: Boston in five. Uh, Mike,
2: I want to see Carolina win, but Boston will win in
0: six. Man, this one—I'm gonna echo Jimmy here. I have no idea how Boston loses, but like, I don't want to root these
2: against Carolina. Match up way too well. Where this is where I think the experience, again, Boston's experience on digging down and winning a series over the past couple of seasons wins out. Hmm.
0: Yeah, you know what? Fuck it, Carolina in seven. Yes. Good. Hey, and just, be- just yeah. because I picked four <laughs> yeah. one
1: doesn't mean every game's not going to be like a one goal game type thing. It's just you know I just think Boston's going to
2: come out on the uh, on the winning side. Yeah, I will say while watching this game while we're recording this. You don't really see a lot of rust from Carolina, which is a good sign too. Man. I wonder if that helps them if the series goes a little longer. I wonder sure. if that'll help them out. I think so because they got the rest and they're not they're not coming in with any rust. I think the the break was really good for Carolina because they got a chance to get healthy because they were banged up a little bit.
0: Yeah, Mrazek's mm-hmm. back now and Maybe, he got and, some help. You know, uh, the it's... that's gonna
2: gonna run everything.
0: Uh, St. Louis, San Jose. This should be another good one. Man, these series are hard to pick. Uh, Jim?
1: Uh, I'm going to go San Jose in seven again.
0: Uh, Just, Mike,
2: That's all I got. Oh, man. <laughs> this is another one. This is another one where I, I've i been picking against San Jose this whole time, and they're winning, and I want Thornton to be in a cup final and try to win one. Keep, keep going against them, Mike. Yeah, that. I think I'm going to go against them. Yes. I'm gonna go against them, and I think St. Louis wins in six.
0: St. Louis in six, man. <laughs> this is
2: hard. These two These <laughs> are hard to predict because you usually get like you know you get at least one series where it's like yeah Capitals are just gonna just gonna roll, or it's not that this isn't the year for those series.
0: No, it really hasn't been from the beginning. And when no, it does seem like that, the fucking opposite team wins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ah uh, man, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna join Jim here. I'm gonna say San Jose in seven.
2: Regardless of who wins, out of any four of these teams, well, actually three out of four of these teams. As long as Boston would, doesn't win the cup, I'm fine. Exactly. I would be I would be excited to see any three out of four yes. of these teams in the cup final.
0: And if Boston makes it, I hope they lose to whichever team. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
2: Boston
1: <laughs> doesn't even have anybody on their team that I, I would like to see win a cup. Well, uh, they've all were,
0: uh, most Pasternak. of them have won a cup already. Their core has. I don't think Pasternak has, but you Pasternak know, guys like one. Rask and uh, uh, Bergeron have been around for fucking ever. Krejci.
1: Uh, Carolina would be a cool story. It'd be nice to see Brenda Moore with the cup. And then, Don Cherry you know,
0: would fucking croak on air.
1: Yeah. Uh, St. Louis would be cool. You know, uh, I, I don't know. If, I'm not really crazy for former Flyers winning. If, like, if once they're not a Flyer, I really don't give a shit. Uh, but you know they got Brayden Shen out there, Craig Berube, whatever, and then the Sharks. Like, how can I don't know how you can't root for them? Like, let let Thornton win a cup. You know that uh, Pavelski's been around for. I mean, Pavel, Joe Pavelski's thirty five years old. He gets overshadowed by Joe Thornton, but he hasn't won anything either, and he's been around 35? forever. Thirty five? Yeah, I, I'm right that's real. it. Pretty sure Pavelski's thirty five. Yeah. Oh. Pavelski,
0: they said Joe Thornton. I'm
1: like, what? <laughs> oh, no, no. Let me just double-check that on uh, Pavelski. Thornton's, I'm pretty sure Yeah, 30. I think
0: 35, 36. I, mean, I think you're
2: right. He's up there.
0: Thornton is going to turn 40 in July. Yeah,
1: so, I mean, 35 is not exactly young either. And Pavelski, I feel like every year is putting up 30-plus goals,
2: 35-plus. You know, uh, I, I like about San Jose, too, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, Jim. No, go ahead, man, go ahead, I like that they've stuck to their guns with their core. That they, you know, That this organization knows their core – Ron Wilson, you know, believes in them, went out and got them, Eric Carlson, you know, went got that piece for them and they're, they're going all in for it.
1: Yeah. They, they went out and traded for Evander Kane last, that was last year, right? Yeah. was Last season. I was, that was good by them too. Uh, I I mean, I love a player like that. I think he's necessary. He's, he scores some goals. They went out and got Eric Carlson in the off season. And you know what? I like Peter DeBoer as a coach a lot. I think he's a, a, an excellent coach. I think he's the kind of guy, you know, that um, he, he's a veterans coach. You know, he was coaching New Jersey when New Jersey was pretty decent. Um, and now he's coaching, a, you know, to coach a group with Brett Burns, Eric Carlson, Joe Pavelski, uh, even a, a Vander Kane. I mean, these are big-time personalities, you know. These are star players, and to to be able to coach them, I don't think that's a, 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 a an easy task. And you no, know, he seems to be doing a nice job. Um, it, it's a good. I think it's a fun group of guys. They're all older. I'd like to see him win one. I think they're pretty deserving.
0: Um, I always liked yeah. DeBoer as a coach, even when he was yeah. in Jersey. You know, the last—that's the last time the Devils were competitive—was when DeBoer was there. You know, true. he brought—he brings a whole lot to the table. I thought he was uh, a pretty good coach.
2: And this is probably your last look at old school hockey players, too.
0: Yeah. Uh yeah, Boston Carolina still tied at one with eleven twenty five to go in the second period. I fucking can't see it, it's too far away. Um yeah, how long have we been going? Are we over an hour yet? Holy shit we are. All right. Um Yeah, let's get some plugs on, let's wrap this shit up. Jimmy, got any plugs?
1: Yeah, so high and wide radio switched to Tuesdays. You can follow Jack and myself on Twitter. Uh I'm Jim underscore HW radio and uh that's it. That's all I
2: got.
0: All right, Mike.
2: I'm at Twitter on Michael Watkins 7, but you can find me on mostly on section 247 pod on Twitter. We're doing a summer beer bracket challenge. So come on over, tell us what beers you want to see that you drink in the summer. What's your favorite summer beer? So we're going to put in a bracket and we are going to be doing that for the rest of the summer.
0: Beer is gross. Daniel. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't discriminate against alcohol.
0: I, I'm not much of a drinker, but I could never, never stand beer.
1: You know what? I've been, I've been hopping on the cider train. Or how do you say that cider? I get made fun of for saying cider. Sader. It's the cider. I've been, I've been on the cider train lately. It's so, so refreshing. It sneaks up on you too. Yeah, it does.
2: It's great. I love it when it sneaks. I love it when alcohol sneaks up on you. Yeah, it's good for, you know, getting blackout drunk. Whoa. Yep. Whoa.
0: Fucking steam to ask And then somebody is killing Greg McKeg. That's <laughs> one of the best Jesus names.
1: Can we, can, can we do another one of those shows, like hockey name shows?
0: Actually, I'm glad you brought that up because we're going to need segments to fill next week. So let me write that down. Hockey, hockey names. names part two. Circle that. Keep that for next week. Jim, start picking hockey names. Uh, you got it. All right. Uh, my plugs. You know, part of the break, I, I was building the websites and Twitter pages and getting all that shit up and running, but I also made some uh, changes in the studio here. I changed some jerseys around. I got a uh, Dominic Kashuk staring me in the face right now. And they put some more... Uh, Sound uh, acoustic paneling up. This looks more like a fucking padded cell than a studio, but hey, you know, either appropriate for a Dan Flyer fan. But one of the biggest changes I made was a nice little whiteboard in front of my face here with all the plugs written on them so I don't lose any <laughs> of them. And I also put a desk lamp in here, which almost caught fire. So... <laughs> I fucking, I shit you not, Monday night we were doing the OMB podcast, and this is an old desk lamp, it's like the Pixar lamp, you know, and uh, I've had it for years, and I usually use it for Halloween, for, for red lights and stuff, but I was like, alright, I'll set it on the edge of the desk here, I can sit in a nice dark room, and just turn it on and see my plugs at the end, it be fine. And I turned it on, and I'm like, what's that smell? You know, just to read the plugs the last five minutes of the episode, and it fucking smelled like it was on fire. I'm like, well, gotta get rid of that shit, so... Yeah, that was the uh, the Pixar lamp Tried to burn my house down This is uh, wild here But uh, yeah, the plugs uh, You can, already plugged it But uh, National Puck, National Podcast Network Are up now at National Puck At National Podcast Net Nationalpuck.com Nationalpodcast.network Yeah, fancy Spent four extra dollars for that .network domain So everybody be happy about it And, uh, yeah, at Brotherly Pod with this show, I will be back uh, next Thursday with BPW Radio with Mike Aceto and Rob Thomas. We will get their thoughts on the assistant coaches. Jim and I will probably be back sometime next week, probably Wednesday or so. Uh, Brotherly Puck, a couple articles up there now. This week's Brotherly Puck Weekly is up. Next week's Brotherly Puck Weekly will be up on Monday or Tuesday, uh, depending on when I finish it. A new episode of OMB Puck from Monday night with Rob Thomas, or uh, with Radio Rob, rather, from uh, uh, Always Next Your Podcast. Countdown, Card Arts wins in the at heart countdown on Twitter. These fucking plugs are long as shit these days. Brotherly Puck, National Puck, both on Facebook as well. If you want to write for National Puck, if you want your podcast featured on National Podcast Network, DM me on Twitter, DM either one of on the sites. You can email me as well, brotherlypuck at gmail.com. Uh, Either one of those should work to get in touch with me. Doing some giveaways here with the shirts. I believe they're up tomorrow. Tomorrow's the 10th. So by the time you're listening to this, uh, they will probably be up. I'm going to do it tomorrow afternoon. We'll pick some names for that. Uh, The links are on the front page of brotherlypuck.com for those as well. Um, Yeah, I think that's everything. That was about five minutes worth of plugs. But hey, when you're fucking doing all that I am, it's what it is these days. So, Oh, speaking of, I got an email from a prospective writer. Look at that. We don't have to answer that shit. We will uh, be back next week, everybody. For Jim and Mike, I've been Dan the Flyer fan. Goodbye and good night.